Welcome to the Conversations with Jesus podcast. I'm Johnny Lehman, a baptized man of God who has the amazing blessings of being a husband, father, and the pastor at Divine Savior Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. This podcast is designed to bring you the self-sacrificing love of Jesus found in the Bible through 15 to 20 minute episodes that focus on relevant life issues and what God has to say about them. Check out our website, DivineSaviorChurch.com, as well as our Facebook and Instagram pages if you'd like to find out more about the incredible things that God is doing through our church family. Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Conversations with Jesus podcast as we go into 2023. We have a new series, a new sermon series we're really going to dive into called New Year New You, where we explore, especially during this time of New Year's resolutions, how Jesus has already made a new you. And this transformation has nothing to do with your resolve with his. And so we're going to see how our powerful God has made us new through Christ. Today, this week's podcast is called Redeemed by the Lamb. See, everyone's talking about them and pointing them out, the latest and the greatest products, programs, and apps promise to transform your life in the new year if you'll just commit to them. The message of Jesus isn't something new. It's been spoken and reviewed for thousands of years, yet Jesus has the power to make you new. He does so as the Lamb of God that John had to point out, the Lamb of God who takes away sin. In Jesus, you know that it is your faithful God who has committed himself to make you new. This is the foundation of what we can expect in this series. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for another year of your grace. Thank you for walking with us. Lord, help us to find our worth, our identity, and our hope in you this year and always. Drive us to you, Lord. Let us run to you in our time of need and trust you with everything we face in life. Amen. It's 2023, January 1st, and you know what that means, right? New Year's resolution season. To New Year's Day, it naturally sparks us to think about changes, progress, and fresh starts. There's something about turning the calendar, seeing 2023 on our phone lock screens that breathes a sense of optimism. I mean, there's a reason why when you search Amazon for books on New Year's resolutions, there are over 20,000 book results. People love resolutions. As the end of a year brings reflection, a new year brings hope. Hope that maybe I can kick that habit, fix my finances, shed some pounds, be happier, work more efficiently, get along with my family and coworkers, you name it. Hopes that as you often know, as you know, often aren't realized. In fact, most New Year's resolutions are done before January is even over. But we keep making resolutions anyway. And I think there's a deep reason for that. These resolutions have become almost a mantra-like tradition each year since around the 18th century in America. The mantra that goes like this, build a better you, make the changes you need to make, become new and improved, keep on getting better and better and better. And maybe that's what you're thinking about as you listen to this podcast, as you look ahead into 2023. What's going to lead you on New Year's Day 2024 to look back and say, that was a good year? It really boils down to the big question we face this year and every new year. What do you really want in life? What do you need this year? 
which is really the same thing as asking, what do you really want from Jesus? It's an important question, right? One that's been asked since the very first disciples followed Rabbi Jesus. People in John the Baptizer's time didn't know how to answer that. John walked into a tough situation. God had sent him to prepare people for Jesus to come. He talked a lot about repentance and baptism and leaving a life of sin. And people knew he was different. In fact, even how he dressed gave that away with camel's hair and eating locusts. And the guy was clearly on a different level. But John's role was a temporary one. If New Year's resolutions were a thing back then, his would have been this. Let me fade into the distance and run to Jesus. Everybody, go to him. Why? Because the Spirit had revealed who Jesus was to John. And that took time for John's students to swallow. The fact that John's purpose had been completed, that now it was time for them to follow a new teacher. So after Jesus was baptized by John, the beginning of what we call his public ministry, when he was publicly revealed to be the Son of God, John immediately starts talking about not just repentance, but the Lamb of God. He keeps telling people, forget me, follow him, follow the Lamb whose blood will deliver you from death, the Lamb who lifts away the sin of the world, the Lamb who sends guilt into the void. But this look, the Lamb of God's sermon, this message, it took some time for John's students to process. Notice it wasn't until the next day that two of John's disciples approached Jesus. Had they been wrestling about this? The Lord knows, but what happens next catches us off guard. John again sees Jesus, has a huge smile on his face and says to everyone gathered there, listen to him, look over there, that's the guy you want to follow, the Lamb of God. So two disciples start walking behind Jesus and Jesus turns around and in classic Jesus fashion, he responds so differently than we would expect. See, I would think Jesus would say as he sees these two guys following him, hey, thanks for joining me today, or it's great to see you guys, I can't wait to teach you. But instead, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth, in fact, the very first words that we hear Jesus speak recorded in the Gospel of John are, what do you want? Now, I know Jesus didn't say it with that tone of voice, but it kind of makes me think of that caricature of an old man on his front porch, a stranger comes up to him, what do you want? It's, there's something direct about this, right? Jesus, he doesn't do small talk. He's not talking about the latest drama or politics or even the weather. He cuts the small talk and he gets to the heart of not only John's gospel, but of the Christian life. It's answering the question, what do we want from Jesus? Do you and I look at him as our resolution resolver or our self-help helper without even realizing it? I found myself so often not looking to Jesus as my Savior, but as my enabler. Maybe you have to. It goes something like this. Jesus, if you enable me to be free of that sin struggle, then I know you're really with me. Jesus, if you could give me what I need to achieve my health goals, then I would know you really care about me. Jesus, if you could fix my family problems or my work stress or my confusion about the future, I would really know that you're there for me. You see the dynamic going on there? A couple of different things, right? We're putting ourselves in the position of authority over Jesus, which sounds crazy, but that's what sin is. It is crazy. It's illogical. From our tiny little view of life, we think we can tell Jesus what we need. When he sees the big picture of the 7.9 billion people on the planet, we think he should listen to our will over his. In the same token, we're basing his love for us on our circumstances, which is the other problem with that. 
thinking that if Jesus gives us the right outward things, then we can really know and trust that he loves us instead of relying on his word and the amazing sacraments he's given to us. And so when we put ourselves in the sandals of those first disciples and hear Jesus ask the question, he still asks you and me in the Bible, what do you want from me? Do we want the, do we want the right things? Do we understand the real needs we have? So how would these students of John the Baptizer answer? A lot rides on this. Expectations everywhere. And in Socratic fashion, they answer Jesus' question with the question, where are you staying? And this question is deeper than you might think. They're not just asking Jesus where his bachelor pad is. They're not just inviting themselves over. It's a significant question when it comes to the student-teacher relationship in Jewish culture. What they're really asking is, how can we follow this life pattern you're teaching? How can we learn from you? How can you, can you teach us how you see the scriptures? Because you do teach with one who has authority. They really couldn't have answered Jesus' question better. In other words, they're saying, Jesus, we don't know yet what we need or want from you. Can you show us? And the humility in this answer is convicting to me. How often in my sin I demand from Jesus what I think I need to be new and improved. Instead of asking him to show me what I need, to give me what I need. Can you relate? Nor quick during resolution season to pray to Jesus and ask him to give us success in all our personal goals instead of approaching him in awe and wonder and saying, Jesus, what do I really need? Such a question is so counter our human nature. By nature, we make demands of God, question his goodness to us, want him to give us what we think we need to be happy, healthy, and whole. We look for a self-help savior, not the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We think we know what we need from Jesus. But often we're so far off. As we often look to Jesus for self-help, not knowing what we want from him, Jesus shows his compassion and grace by not turning away from us in frustration. But like with those disciples in John 1, he says to you and me in the word, one beautiful sentence, come and see. And the disciples did. They went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. They take the Lord up on his offer. These two disciples, one named Andrew, the other is unnamed, probably the disciple John who wrote this gospel, they spend the day listening to Jesus tell them what they need from him. We don't have that conversation recorded, but it's fair to say that he told them about how he is the Lamb of God, the Messiah who came not to give us a 12-step plan to become the best version of ourselves, but instead he came to give us a new self, an entirely new identity, not a self-reformation, but a complete self-transformation, a redeemed life through his cross that bought us back from the chains of sin to give us hope and life far beyond anything New Year's resolutions can offer. And Jesus' invitation wasn't a one-time only event for these two disciples. And you and I talk with God, thinking that we know what we need from him. He leads us through the word and sacrament to realize he alone can tell us what we really need from him. But he doesn't even stop there. He says to you and me, come and you will see. Come and see how my blood has set you free. Come and see that in this world of constant death, you'll find life in me because I found you. Come and see. I can give you so much more than self-help. I can give you salvation. Come and see that you're a new creation, blameless in the eyes of the Father. This come and see approach is what Jesus loves to do for you. He invites you in his word and you rediscover over and over the depths of his amazing grace that he through his death and resurrection has made you new. The old has gone. The new you has already come, won by the Lamb of God, Jesus. And now we want it to remain. I know this is radical, but your life is not about self-reforming, self-innovating, or self-help. Your life now is all about the Savior. You have a new heart given to you by the Redeemer and the natural result of that heart of faith 
is to replicate that common sea approach to your own heart and the people you love most. We see this happen immediately with these two disciples in John 1. Look at how Andrew responds to this amazing gospel good news he heard from Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. Andrew's heart of faith burst with excitement in sharing Jesus. How could it not? In Jesus, he had everything the world and no amount of self-discipline could give him. He had meaning to his life. He had forgiveness for all of his mistakes. He had heaven. He had a purpose to live. He had a Savior who loves him. He had it all. And so how could he not want his brother to know of such a life, such an existence, such an identity too? How can we not want our loved ones to hear Jesus' teaching as well? But before we do that, we need to remain in him. We need to tell our hearts, come and see, come and see, come and see, because we need to keep asking Jesus, what do I need from you? And see, that leads to maybe the boldest prayer that a believer can make. To look to heaven or close your eyes, bow your heads, bow your head and fold your hands and say, Jesus, give me what I need. It's bold because a lot of times that what we need is more trial than treasure. It's more refinement by fire than luxury and ease. It's more pain than gain. But we trust Jesus because we know we have in him. We live a found life. And and that's no small thing. You know as well as I do that out of the 7.9 billion people who walk this earth, most are living a lost life. Feeling lost, whether they realize it or not. They they don't know where they're going. They don't know what life is truly about. And, And so for many who are searching for what we have, what we celebrate every Sunday, That's what we get to give them. The certainty that God loves them, that there's a purpose for them, that death isn't the end. So let's give them that answer. If we're going to make a resolution, let's make it this one, to keep remaining in Jesus, to keep staying with him in his word, and to invite more and more to the place where he is staying, the gospel and the Bible and the sacraments, baptism and the Holy Communion. Let's echo John as we tell our our community, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And yes, let's echo that to our own hearts too. So hardwired by sin for self-gain and self-focus, that's when we find ourselves to be failures or people who haven't reached our potential. We need to remember by faith, the old is gone. The new is come. You are a child of God through Jesus. You don't live for self anymore. You live for the one who lived, died, and rose. So you could live in a constant state of resolution. Led by the Spirit to find again and again the resolute heart of your Jesus who will always give you exactly what you need. So what's your answer to Jesus' question? What do you want? When a year from now, you look back at 2023, what's going to lead you to say that was a good year? Well, God willing, for you and me, it'll be this. Jesus gave me exactly what I needed and more than I could ever deserve. By faith, we don't live for self-help or peer recognition. We live for Jesus. We live known and loved by God. We live redeemed by a Savior who will never stop looking at you and saying, come and see. The joy will be, and we do see fully. When in all things the old is gone and the new will resolutely stay. Live heaven bound because the Lamb of God has taken away the sins of the world. He's taken away your sins. He's given you a whole new heart and a whole new life. Amen. My prayers are with you as you start 2023. Let's continue to encourage each other to stay in the word, to pray for one another, and to remain in Jesus. He has given us everything we could ever hope for in life. Let's walk with him and keep learning from him as we make our way toward heaven. God be with you as you live for him.